We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 289. Scott, is your head spinning from all of the winter meetings, reports, and rumors, and news, and everything that happened last week? Well, it's kind of expected, right? You have a whole bunch of stuff that is rumored and talked about happening, and then, you know, you get some of the, the more low-key things that actually do happen, and a lot of the big names have, have not moved. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's pretty... Pretty, pretty much uh, reasonable. I think most people thought that was going to happen. The, 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 it would be too easy if Machado and Harper were to sign during the winter meetings. Although you could say that Harper, maybe, you know, maybe he could have made a nice little splash being a Vegas kid, signing in Vegas, doing the whole Vegas thing. That would yeah. have been fun. He could for have him. done like a May, like a Mayweather entrance into the winter meetings. And yeah. Then said where he's going to be signing. Yeah, it would have yeah. been great. Yeah, like a like a college uh, prospect yeah. announcing announcing the uh, the, the team. On. Yeah, putting the hats on. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be ridiculous. That would be very LeBron esque taking my it talents. Uh, I, I, I could totally think, see him doing I it. I don't though. think fans would be receptive to something like that. <laughs> Baseball fans don't seem to have as much fun with that kind of stuff as basketball fans. Well, Even maybe. basketball fans got on LeBron when he did the decision. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. So yeah, I mean, you know, we had uh, we had some good things happen, I think, uh, but the rest of it was just a, a bunch of a lot of hot air spit for sure. A lot of hot air spit at the winter meetings. Well, I think once you get all of those uh, reporters and, and people in the same room for long enough, you know, the uh, 
the those casinos in in Vegas, they just pump oxygen in there. There's no light. There's no natural sunlight coming in. People get kind of crazy. And eventually every rumor that could possibly happen will be floated on Twitter and it will cause people to freak out. Yeah, no, I I would love to hear something down the line where the um, the writers and I know they did this whole little spoof on the mystery team and all that. Uh, I think Morosi was the one commenting on that one or doing like the lead for that little skit that they did, but it would be funny if we heard down the road that these, uh, the writers just conspired behind the scenes one year and started floating all these bullshit rumors. <laughs> just, just a, just a mess with Twitter. I think they, so I think some of them take a comment that maybe they heard from somebody, you know, a secondhand comment and they turn it into clickbait articles. Yeah. I think that happens quite a bit. Who's up. Who's up now. Who needs credit on this one? Hey, uh, right. fine saying, have you, have you had credit yet on, on a, on a rumor? Not in the last three hours. All right, this one's yours. Right, exactly. When okay, when was your last tweet? Okay, you can put this out and get the five thousand retweets. Yeah. So is there like That's a point happens. guard, a point guard amongst the um, the writers, the the guy who's distributing the, uh, you know, the the tweets and the stories? There's someone behind the scenes is doing all that. You think there's a puppet master? I think there is a puppet. I wouldn't call it a puppet master. More of a more of a point guard. You know, just throwing it out dishes, making sure that everybody's fed, making sure that everybody has uh, enough enough rumors under their name. And, uh, you know, then you have the one guy who's like, well, I'm going to take another one and step in front and steal a pass or just do, you know, try to get as much attention as they possibly can. And then there's a yeah. the, the couple guys that just get everything wrong, like Nightingale, just wrong <laughs> every time. So I had said, is your head spinning? But, you know, you want to know why my head is spinning today? It's because I did jello shots last night for the first time since college. Yeah. How was that? Did you did you, <laughs> did you eat like 50 of them uh, before? Before you felt well, anything, or did you learn from college and realize? No, that- I learned from college. I, I think I stopped after like four or five. Yeah. But yeah, the, you have the four or five, and then an hour and a half later, you're like, ah, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Why am I such a moron every time? I think the last time, well, we do them at football games occasionally, you know, for a tailgate. Someone comes around with jello shots, and, you know, I, I, it's impossible for me to say no. But the last time we did jello shots, like, I did a lot of jello shots. We went down, uh, rafting down a river. A whole bunch of us just kind of tied together. These and, do not sound like environments for jello shots. How do you get jello oh, shots at a rafting trip? Oh, just wait for it. So it's genius, actually. And if anybody does a rafting trip, you should absolutely do this. First of all, you get a cooler tube. That's essential. You have to have the cooler tube, multiple cooler tubes, usually. And the way you do the jello shots is you get those little ketchup containers that they have at, at uh, restaurants, the little um, containers that you can oh, take Oh, yeah, away. the little paper ones. Yeah. They're, no, they're plastic with a lid on them. And and what you do is you make the jello shots in there. You you put the lid on them and then oh, you can stack them. So and actually, yep. you can make a ridiculous amount because you could stack them in your refrigerator. And mm-hmm. and when you're on the river, you can throw them to people and they float. <laughs> That's actually pretty awesome. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, so the jello shots, that was a probably the last time I I had a ton of them was uh was on the river. Right, but they're a pain in the ass to make. Yeah, it's whoever well, has they're to a make pain them. in the ass when you're making dozens and dozens of them. We used to make hundreds upon hundreds of yeah. them for college parties. Yeah. As an adult, when you them, when you realize they, that your refrigerator actually has some things in them still and it's not just you could clear out, you know, a ton of it. It's uh, it takes up a lot of room. We used to just stack them in the backyard of our uh, our frat house because it's cold enough in the winter where you could just leave them outside. Yeah, yeah. So the um, jello shots are good, man. You just got to uh, at this point be be a little smart about them in the beginning. I was training my body for St. Patrick's Day weekend, which is when we're going to be down in Tampa for spring training. We I li- decided. Yeah, I like it. The fifteenth and the sixteenth of March. I didn't even realize it was going to be St. Patrick's Day. Until a couple people called that out. It was like, even better. That's great. 
Uh, the 15th is a, uh, there's two games that weekend for, uh, for well, in Tampa. And the Friday game is against the Red Sox and the Saturday game is against the Blue Jays. We're going to be doing a, a, a group event up in the uh, bullpen club. Again, similar to what we did last year. We had about 30, 35 people in the last one. It was a really last minute deal. Um, but we're going to do the same, pretty much the same thing. We're up top there and it's, it's a, a one ticket cost. Um, I don't have the exact cost of it, but you know, we just, whatever they charge us, we're going to charge everybody. And that's, that's kind of how we're going to do it. Um, but we'll get all the tickets and then distribute them out. But the ticket price includes the, uh, an open, open bar for beer. It's a, it's basically domestic beers. And then they have a ton of food up there. So all of that is included in the cost, which is a really a good deal. And then Friday, I'm still working on getting as many tickets as I can for that Red Sox game. Um, but I will have, it's going to be that weekend for sure. And I will have all the ticket details uh, this week and, and get them out to everybody so we can uh, gobble them up. Yeah. Last year we had, like you said, we had 40 people come to that Saturday day. There was a bachelor party there. So it was sort of like whoever was down there and saw that's a good deal. Let's uh, let's all get together and watch the game. It's it's more about gathering all the people together rather than that's really the main focus. Yeah, of, the game. Of, I mean, the game events. is there. It's it's happening. You're kind of taking yeah. it all in. You're just happy baseballs in front of you. I think that's really the the premise yeah. of the whole deal. But it's a lot of fun. We, this is a we've we've getting we got this uh, scheduled a lot earlier than we did last year. So um, hopefully you guys can, you know, if you're planning to go to spring training uh, and it works out. Mark down the 15th and 16th to, do, uh, to go down there. And we'll throw around some, um, like last year, we all went out uh, to eat afterwards and just did a bunch of stuff. We all hung out pretty much the entire weekend, the people that were down there. So we'll do the, a similar similar deal to that. And, you know, we'll, we'll find a couple places. Uh, there's a couple breweries down there that we've been to that are good and do some meetups and stuff like that. So it's, it should be a fun weekend. Maybe we can scout the location of the new Tampa Stadium that got delayed and is now not coming until like the late 2020s. It's not. It's not happening then either. I mean, <laughs> you, I was surprised that they were as long as far along as they were in Ybor City. To tell you the truth, it just doesn't seem like seems like a cool area in Tampa, no doubt. But the logistics of it, it's a lot of. It just didn't seem like. Um, I don't know the 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 logistics getting in and out of that area for that stadium. It was going to cause problems, and that it sounds like it did. Um, but that also, and, uh, so that's spring training and then the, the BP crew events, we have the dates set, uh, and we will have, again, these tickets available, uh, probably this week as well. They're going to be on sale much earlier than even they were last year, but mark your calendars down for these. And we're going to do a deal for people who want season tickets as well for these, for these individual games, uh, April 13th, which is, uh, against the white Sox, May 31st, which is a Friday game against the red Sox. That's the Boston series. Uh, June 22nd, which is against Houston, the Astros, another good game. July 20th, which is against the Colorado Rockies. Thought that was a unique one. There aren't very many uh, times you see the Rockies at Yankee Stadium. Um, And then August 31st will be against Oakland. So some really good games and good series in there. Again, we have Section 205 locked down. Um, So, you know, start start making plans for these uh, for, for these dates. Again, April 13th, May 31st, June 22nd, July 20th, and August 31st. And the 31st, the May 31st one is the only Friday game. That's the Boston game. And all the other ones are going to be Saturday. Like, like Scott said, it's, it's far out uh, right now. We're far in advance, so you can plan your trips to come. Yeah. Come to New York if you're coming from out of town. or I mean, you can't even really buy individual t- games. You can't buy them yet. No, not for, at this point. Nope. So This is the only way you can get them. <laughs> it's going to be a quick uh, – you're going to be on top. This, is, this could be a good uh, maybe holiday gift for – for somebody that's right and the uh, we're going to do a pregame for every single one of these uh, all the details are not set yet but we're going to be doing pregames for every single one of them so keep that in mind and then also with every ticket price uh, purchase for for these games 
um, you're now getting a hot dog and a domestic beer inside the stadium for the game too. So that's another uh, really cool little perk that we've got going on for all of these games. And then again, you know, sim- similar to what we did last year, uh, I'm going to be designing a t-shirt for each event and uh, we may throw some, some additional uh, like apparel gear or something, something else along uh, to, to go with the ticket price for some of these games. One more quick update before we get to all the topics. So we had teased the Joe Torre curveballs along the way movie review that we already recorded. We said it was going to be this week. We lied. It's going to be next week. We realized with the winter meeting stuff, there's so much to talk about. And next Monday is Christmas Eve. And Scott, we're both going to be traveling, going to be with family. So it'll be, we're certainly going to do a regular episode and talk about any news that happened over the week. But it'll be a nice sort of uh, little piece that we can tack on people who can have more time to watch the movie, maybe do a rewatch of the movie if they liked it so much. I don't know if there's anyone out there who liked it that much, but hey, it'll be on next uh, next Monday's episode, Christmas Eve. This is one of those good ones, actually. You can get your family to watch it, and you guys all have a good laugh at it. <laughs> and, and, right. and then relive the 1996 World Series uh, in your own head. So, And then watch the actual official 1996 World Series video if you want to watch Boom. something This sounds like a great family night. Lots yeah. of beers and lots of Yankees <laughs> uh, around 1996. I like it. All right. You ready to talk about winter meetings? Let's do it. So Cashman sort of spoke. He spoke a few different times. He pissed everyone off, and then he got everyone back on his side. So he pissed people off because he mentioned that, I can't believe you guys are still asking about the Bryce Harper thing. We don't have a fit in the outfield. It's not a realistic fit for us. We're not even thinking about Harper. And then a couple days later, he said that the Yankees are a fully operational Death Star, ready to strike, ready to blow up Alderaan. Or get blown up by Luke Skywalker. We don't know which one he was referring to, but regardless, people like that quote. It's so funny because this is such a a Cashman, like just trying to feed people and just give you something. Uh, The whole evil empire thing was thrown back and forth. What last year when when uh, he called the Red Sox the the new evil empire, and now we're going back to a Death Star, and half the people on on uh, Twitter or wherever is like, well, the Death Star blows up. Don't you realize that? The Death Star blows up. Well, it, do- it has a nice run. You know, the Death Star has a nice run. Not, not every baseball team is going to uh, stay alive and, and keep their roster together forever. So essentially, you know, there was a, a little bit of a blow up, roster blow up and now we're back. So there's, he just threw out a nice little quote that everybody appreciated, I think. I just feel like he was clicking through the channels and saw that TNT was running a Star Wars marathon like the day before. Yeah. And then he figured he'd throw that quote out the next day to the media. Yeah, he was giving them a bite. I mean, that's what he was doing. He was throwing everybody a bone. <laughs> he knows he knows the J-Hap thing is, is okay, and but J-Hap's boring. So let me throw a Death Star reference in here just to make everybody a little happier. Well, he got serious blowback for his comments about Harper. People are pissed off. A lot of Yankees fans are going to be really, really pissed off if they don't walk out of this offseason with either Harper or Machado. Yeah, and why? Because he's saying that he's not a fit. We have too many outfielders. I think that was the biggest phrase. Is that we have too many outfielders. Our outfield is full. And we already you, have six outfielders. When you look at them, have, they're yeah. Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury are, the, are two of them that are taking up those spots in his mind. So, so yeah, that, yep. that is what I think you know, rub people the wrong way. So Ellsbury, Gardner, Judge, obviously Hicks. Um, is He must be including Stanton in that outfielder yeah. list. He's an right? outfielder. And Clint Frazier? Sure. Is that the six? I think I think Frazier is is considered a major league player at this point. I mean, he's not like, uh, he's in control of, of where he goes, I so think, the way he plays. Think, 
but let's think about those six players. Ellsbury, we don't know if he's going to be able to actually physically walk on the field. Brett Gardner is certainly, I'd say, in his last year with the Yankees. And hopefully, with decreased playing time, he can stay a little bit more durable this season. Clint Frazier is coming back from concussion uh, issues all last season. It was a lost year for Clint Frazier. We hope he is healthy again. But you just don't friggin' know when it comes to brain injuries. And you got Judge and Hicks. So... I understand on paper the six outfielders, but it, is it really? Can he really sit there and say, "Wow, that's it. We got our outfield locked up. We we there is absolutely no fit for Harper." No, but I think when you're talking about Harper and you know the first base rumors aside, because I don't think that's a realistic possibility. He also shot those down. Yeah, because it's not something you're going to do when you pay somebody three hundred plus million dollars for ten years, and you're going to slot them into a position they've never played. So it just does it doesn't make any sense giving somebody that much money. Um, at, at, with such a, a huge unknown, if that's the plan. And, you know, the, the, the outfield is full. It is. There's a lot of people there. And if you're going to sign a guy like this, you want to have a very nice open door and open spot for him to play. And even, you know, not talking about Gardner or Ellsbury, it's still a pretty loaded outfield. So you're going to have to do something, whether it's, um, you know, moving a guy, one, one guy playing full-time DH, there's just there's going to be a, a logjam, even without talking about Gardner and Ellsbury. If Frazier is to come up, uh, then there's a logjam. You know, what if Frazier is, is is hitting, but there's now there's no spot, so he's in AAA, or are you going to trade him? Like as the roster currently stands, it's a logjam to pay someone that much money for that long of time with not a natural fit. You'd have to clear space if you're going to pay yeah. him three hundred ish million dollars. You're going to have to do he's. He's not going to be battling for a spot. It's going right, exactly. to get a spot. So you're going to have to clear the space otherwise. But uh, why do you think that he was Cashman was so quick to sign Gardner to a new contract? They did that in 2 days. Yeah, that one baffles me. It really does. And I, you know, I don't know if they had a uh, if they just didn't feel good about the rest of the uh, the rest of the outfield possibilities for um, in free agency, like the Michael Brantleys of the world, they didn't see that uh, internally as an option. McCutcheon, he ended up getting fifty million dollars, which they is were crazy. Going to pay? They were not going to pay fifty million dollars for Andrew McCutcheon, nor did I want them to. But if if Cashman had had uh, not picked up the option on Brett Gardner, which I which happened right after the World Series. Why did he then need to re-sign him again? Why? Maybe he didn't want him testing free agency. Maybe he didn't want another team coming in and bidding up Gardner's price. But I don't know if that would have happened. It, it seems like, yeah, I don't think it would have happened. But it, it seems like he wanted the sure thing. Kind of what he did with CeCe. They have the the guy that's there. And and look, this, this could mean a couple things. One, they from the beginning, never had any intention of going after Bryce Harper. It, he just wasn't on their list. That's, they, they realized that if they're going to go after one of these guys, the, the more obvious fit right now, and, and certainly moving forward, is Manny Machado. It's very clear that that's the, more, that's the better fit for this team as far as position-wise as well. Um, or, you know, and, and they just didn't like the rest of the free agents. So they, they decided that it's either going to be guys like, uh, like Michael Brantley or they're going to go after, you know, another... Um, another outfielder free agent, or they're going to go with a known quantity, the longest tenured Yankee. And, you know, hopefully Frazier is coming back who can win that job. And then we have Brett Gardner as a platoon outfielder, which I think would be his best role this year. 
So it, it could just be a sign that what the Yankees were thinking ahead of uh, ahead of these Machado Harper you know rumors and such. They they got their guy in Stanton last year, which is essentially the three hundred million dollar you know the the big ten year contract. They got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yep. got that out of the way and at a bargain. If you're thinking that these guys are going to get three hundred plus, uh, and now they're moving forward. So they made their choice and it was Stanton. That's yep. that that could also mean that. And there was reports that the Yankees are not willing to go up to $300 million for Machado, but they are having meetings with him this week. It's supposedly happening on Wednesday. I wonder if they're going to go to Taco Bell like they did with, with the Corbin <laughs> It didn't song. work, so let's but hope it didn't work it. last time. Maybe switch it up, go to Popeye's. But, but uh, if, if you are a GM and Harper and Machado, who I both think are waiting for each other to sign, don't you think that? They're waiting for the other one to set the market. They don't want to be the first shoe to drop. Well, yeah, I think it's more the agents definitely trying to not. They don't want to be the bar setter. They want to. They right. want to see where the other guy comes in and then and then use that. They want contract. to say this guy got X dollars, so we want X dollars plus ten percent or whatever. Exactly. But who would you rather pay for ten years? I would rather pay Machado. If if I have a choice, you're pinning me down. And I have to sign one of these two guys. I would rather Machado. I, I, I would. I agree, and I'm I'm curious if you think it's this. If we have the same reasoning, what's your reasoning? I just I, I think he's. He's um he's one he's more flexible. He can play different positions on the infield. I think third base is definitely his most long term position. Um, but if you if you are to sign him as a third baseman and you're go, going out there and signing him, then you know right now you you have a guy who played third base who should have been rookie of the year who's probably at his highest value that that you're going to find. I mean maybe he has a, a a similar year next year and is a little bit better with the glove. But right now he's pretty peak value, and you can go out there and get another frontline starter. And I think to me, like if you're going to sign one of these guys, then there are pieces that you can move and still better your team at the same time. I would rather sign him because in 2015, 162 games played. 2016, 157. 2018, 156 games. He plays. He doesn't get hurt. Yeah. And Harper, the injury issues are a real factor. And when you're paying somebody $30 plus million, you don't want them sitting on the disabled list. You want them actually playing on the field. Right. I get the whole right hand, left hand thing. Everybody is excited and they see a left handed bat with with Bryce Harper and they start salivating and their eyes get huge because they see left handed bat Yankee Stadium. The the thing I I, I just I think it's overrated to a, a point that the Yankees just set the major league record for home runs and a lot of their power, if not most of their power, came from the right side. These guys can hit the ball the other way. They take advantage of the stadium. And that was the whole premise and the whole thing behind Harper as a left-handed bat. He'll play well at Yankee Stadium. He can take advantage of the stadium. Well, they have guys currently who are right-handed bats that also take advantage of the stadium. So I just think that's a little overblown as a major reason why to get Bryce Harper. Because if you're looking at defensively and and where he's going to fit in, it's just it's it's kind of messy. It's not a clear um, you know, puzzle piece. Whereas Machado, even with, with Didi, you know, being out for whatever the time is in the beginning of the season and, and hopefully he's back, um, he can slot into short and then move over to third if you needed to. So there's, there's, there's some, you know, position uh, flexibility, I think with, with Machado. And people also complain about all the strikeouts and Harper strikes out more than Machado does. Harper's strikeout rate in his career is about 21 to 22%, whereas Machado is like 15 and a half percent. Yeah. And, we have a lot of guys who strike out quite a bit. <laughs> we uh, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of home runs. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
So what did you think about this uh, three-team rumored trade between the Yankees, Mets, and Marlins with Syndergaard going to the Yankees, Riomuto going to the Mets, and then mystery prospects going to Miami? And also maybe Andujar going to either Miami or or the Mets as well. Yeah, I mean, Andujar was probably was definitely in there from the... I, I, I gave them zero chance of happening when I first saw them. They were fun. They were fun to talk about, but I just can't see the Yankees uh, acquiring Noah Syndergaard from the Mets for any cost, honestly. I just, I can't see that from the optic standpoint of the New York Mets to send a guy like Syndergaard over and the chance that, uh, you know, he's the one who puts them over the edge and start, they start winning championships because of a guy like Syndergaard. It would destroy the Mets fan. It would destroy the franchise. It would, it would, <laughs> it would just, it would be like the, the final bullet, you know what I mean? Like the nail, the nail in the coffin, that's it. And I just, well, I don't see, I don't see them doing it. And I, I never, and I never did, but there were some great quotes out of this, the whole like yeah. Derek Jeter or Marlon saying, Hey, you better put Syndergaard in this trade so we can get him to the Yankees or there's no deal. Like, I love <laughs> As that. As if people, people still think Derek Jeter gives a shit about the Yankees. Yeah. No, but that's, it's great. That's a, a great line because it is, of course it's Derek Jeter saying, look, yep. Syndergaard's got to go to the Yankees or there's no deal. Well, he, that's why he gave them Stan. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying he's like, he's our, he's our agent. <laughs> In the National League, he's a double secret agent. And it's not so not too secret at this point, but he's he's out there effectively championing the uh, the New York Yankees from afar, and I love it. I have a theory that this whole trade was floated by Mets insiders that okay. they wanted to they wanted a uh, a storyline a headline out there with Syndergaard going to the Yankees to show that they are willing to do anything. Van Wagenen comes in and he wants to set a precedent. I am a creative GM. I am not going to say no to anything. I would trade with the Yankees, even if it means Syndergaard. And I, I truly believe there's, they had no intention of actually doing that trade, but he wants that narrative out there. No, I, I, I think, well, first of all, the narrative was there because they, it is confirmed that they had talked, right? Like they, there's no doubt. What that does that mean? They had to, oh, Hey Brian. Hey Brody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It could have been, <laughs> it could have been just that, but the point is, is that they talked and I think, I think that's a bigger deal than than a lot of people realize, and I, I think that's what what actually gave these a little bit more substance to some people than it normally would, because I, you know it was confirmed that they did speak, and that's that in and of itself, uh, talking about trades and like having open communication is new. You know, the regimes just never really did that much, and having and I agree with you to a point where where Van Wagen coming in. And saying, hey, I, I'm going to show them that it doesn't matter where you are. I'm trying to make my team better. And, you know, whatever team I need to trade with, uh, you know, unless it's a, a high contender in my division, then I'm going to do that. And it doesn't matter if it's the Yankees, because you know what? I don't care about the Yankees Mets thing. That's not a that's not a real thing for me. I'm just trying to make the Mets better. And I think that's that's part of it. I think that's that's is one of the things that he's trying to say um, and to mark himself as different. Here's the difference, though. Here, or here's the difference that's actually the same. It didn't happen, and are the are the Mets going to be the same thing? And, and you know, they made this 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 Robbie Cano deal. Is that going to be it? And the rest of, the rest of it's just talk. That could be, could be. But I think if you're playing the playing the game out, and if somehow the Mets wind up with Realmuto and Andujar, but have to trade Syndergaard, that does make them a better team. I I, I don't disagree with you, but I think at the same time, there's still the risk. It's not as much of a risk for the Yankees. If Andrew Hart goes over there and does well, you know, it is what it is. But if the if Syndergaard were to come and put the Yankees over the top, that's a big difference, I think, for Mets fans and just the Mets world. Like, But again, that's an optics thing. And it I, is and an optics thing, but it's a Brody, big deal for them. I think Van Wagenen is trying to tell his Mets fans, 
I don't give a shit about optics. Right. I want to make the Mets better. And even if it means Syndergaard has to go. And Mets fans love Syndergaard. Yes. Thor, the long hair, he's a beast. I get it. But the reality is also, Syndergaard is very injury prone. Mm -hmm. So he is a risk to have on the Mets regardless for them. He, he's not DeGrom. You can't just bank on those 30-plus starts every year like they can with DeGrom. So there is an inherent risk with Syndergaard. Yes, he's filthy. And if he came to the Yankees, I would be ecstatic because and on any given day, he can be the best pitcher in baseball. But there is an injury risk with him. There's no doubt an injury risk. And I do agree with you to the point where he's trying to, Van Wagenen is trying to say, I'll do anything. It doesn't matter if they're the Yankees. Um, I'm going to make my team better. And, uh, and we're going to push forward because, you know, there were other rumors talking about that, that, you know, maybe it was just a Mets pitcher uh, and it could have been Wheeler. Maybe they were talking about Wheeler and, and maybe not Andujar. Maybe it was somebody else. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's a there's probably a very long leash of, of what actually happened and, uh, and and what was floated. But the story was that they were talking. I think that's the biggest thing. Anytime there's headlines of Yankees and Mets trading, it, it literally takes over this this sports uh the sports radio, the sports narrative in New York City. It's crazy. Because people, it's a polarizing thing. It's polarizing to the sense that we, there's good players being traded and they're in the same uh, city and Mets fans hate Yankees fans. And Yankees fans, like the majority of Yankees fans that I know, just they don't really care about the Mets. It's, the Mets are just there and whatever, like the annoying little brother. But the Mets fans and the Mets, that, that whole that whole world hates the Yankees. So the fact that they would send a really good player over and and if that guy ever did well and helped them win a championship, it doesn't matter what the Mets did. They could they could win their division, go to the uh, uh, the NLCS, and and the Yankees would win the World Series. And uh, Syndergaard's there, it would be a disaster. I well, it, it's true. And because I have a I have a friend at work who's a Mets fan, we were talking about this trade, and he said he would rather Syndergaard blows out his ACL or his UCL and yeah. can't pitch anymore than it's have sad. him than have him just be mediocre on the Yankees. Right? Yeah, it's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like pitch to a four point six ERA on the Yankees. Nope, he'd still rather have Syndergaard just end his career. Yep. Um. So also the, the the Cleveland starters who we've been talking about Kluber and Bauer um, and then before it was before Carrasco got his extension, but uh, John Heyman tweeted out a couple days ago that after trading Encarnacion, Alonso, and Gomes, that the word is the Indians won't be as motivated by financial constraints to uh, trade Kluber and Bauer anymore, which is kind of it makes sense because. The Indians are going to win their division easily. That division is bad. Even if the White Sox sign Bryce Harper, they're not going to win their division. So the Indians get into a playoff series, and you can throw Kluber, Bauer, and Carrasco. If they're hot at the time, they can win. They can win the World Series with those three pitchers. So why are you going to give up on that? Yeah, no. I mean, the fact that they have those pitchers and they're relatively uh, good contracts, um, that, that didn't seem like – I think they were trying to – you know, see how they, if they could get blown away by anything. And if, if someone was going to get dumb, yeah, if, if right. they, if someone was going to be dumb, they would have gladly done it. Right. Exactly. And, but it, it is weird when you see a team that, uh, that still has the, you know, the majority of their core like that and, and still in an opportunity to win in a weak division, um, you know, start floating out those, those, uh, the, the rumors of that, you know, that they're, they're trying to shed payroll and, you know, their offense is going to be very different next year, but they still have some very good offensive players that are core guys. They haven't lost any of their core guys. And, and I think nope. that's the And they, they weren't going to trade any of their core guys. Yeah. So I, I think they, uh, at this point, you're right. I think that they're not going to be uh, trading 
either one of these guys. I think they're they're ready to go. I think Bauer honestly would probably be if someone were to come in with a, a prospect list of Bauer, like he'd be the guy that they would be more uh, inclined to move. Even though he's a lot younger than than Kluber. Yeah, but we could, I think because of that, because I think uh, at this point, I do think that you know they're going to get um, a, they would probably get a better package as far as prospects for a guy like Bauer. Yes, but if you're not see it's a tough situation for them because if you're trading one of those pitchers you're almost saying we're not going to win now so you take the prospects but what then but if if you're going to trade one why not trade both you know it's like why keep one yeah well i mean you could still you have a a top two and you could still do damage you know i I, guess they're trying to be competitive i think and if they're competitive and still hanging around they don't have to win the whole thing to accomplish i think what cleveland wants to accomplish I, that's just so they me. don't want to win a world. They don't want I, you know, they, a world, world series. series would, they just want to win ninety games. A world series playoffs. would be nice, but it seems like they're if they're so f- concerned about their finances that you know they're trying to stay um, in the in the green and you know they want to have a, a, a team out there that can do well enough where they can win their division um, and you know maybe make a run at that point. But I, I don't think you need all three of those guys to do that. I think they could do that with two. I think they yeah, could well, still win their division. There's some people who have I've read articles that say that it, there's more money for baseball teams in winning 88 to 90 games than trying to win the World Series every year. Yeah, uh, there's there's definitely that. There's there's if you have a competitive team and you can still put people in the seats, um, you know, during the season and late into the season, then you've essentially done your job. You don't have to win in the postseason as far as a bottom line perspective. All right, so a couple other headlines that came from from the winter meetings. I don't know if you want to spend any time on these, but the Yankees have talked to Boris about uh, Kikuchi, who we had an email uh, about a few weeks ago, and we had fun saying his name. So, great. And then uh, Rosenthal reported that the Red Sox are possibly looking to cut payroll because they were one of two teams, them and the Nationals, to go over the luxury tax this year, and Porcello uh, might be on the trade block. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) That's uh, that's fine. I feel like Porcello every other year is is either good. Or you don't know what you're going to get from that guy. Um, I think he's probably a, uh, you know, someone that's relatively expendable for them. But who the hell knows? I mean, I, I don't really believe it. I I think that they ha- now that they signed Avaldi like this for a four year deal, they're hoping that he's good for one year, <laughs> and and if he can if they can get one year out of him and and. St- and keep this run going, then it'd be worth it. years for one year. <laughs> I think. I think that's, they. That's that. that I what kind of economics is that? It's Dombrowski, dude. He he goes for it's top Dombrowski heavy. Dombrowski economics. He does. Just he goes about top heavy. Today, yes. Fuck yes. tomorrow. Yes, he goes top heavy. If I can get top heavy and I can win right now, then the rest of it will take care of itself. It doesn't matter as much. So yep. yeah, I, I do think that they're they're much higher on him probably in the near term than they are uh, the the long term of that contract. Even though it's, it's a four year deal, but. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. I have a hard time believing that the uh, Red Sox are going to be cutting payroll. Um, Were there any Jedi mind tricks by Cashman who all season, him and Steinbrenner just kept talking about being financially responsible, getting under the luxury tax, and he kind of ingrained that into the Red Sox, and now they're no, willing to cut payroll? Not at all. Is any chicanery not, going on? Nope, I don't believe that at all because the Red Sox won the World Series. So <laughs> it, it, it didn't. it worked out for them the way that they did. Whatever, how they did it, uh, it worked out for him. But... Uh, the other thing, the Kikuchi thing, like at this point where the Yankees stand and I still think people want some big moves. And if it's Machado, I, I do think that if Machado is signed, Andujar is going to be traded. That's that's it makes the most sense when you're if you if you were to do that, um, do you think and, that brings down his trade value, though. Well, signing it, it, Machado it, first. Does that bring down his trade value? 
you know, I think he's he's a, a wanted asset, so I don't think it would tra- take it down much because it's not like you're trying to trade him to one team. I mean, there would be multiple teams looking for a, a guy like Andor, so I don't think it really affects it as much. Um, especially with Didi out too, you know, Cashman could play the narrative. Well, he can, uh, he'll play short. He'll play shortstop, and the then Andujar might yeah. play first. Who knows? But I think um, there's things you could do with that. But that being said, if they were to do that and sign Machado and and Andujar were dealt, like let's just play that scenario. Then to me, you're getting another pitcher, right? You're getting some whether it's a um, you're getting another pitcher, and, and you'll figure out the rotation uh, as the season comes about, and just kind of kind of see what happens. Uh, if they don't if they don't do that, then I still think Cashman is trying to bolster this this rotation. I, I don't think he's done with pitching. Now it won't maybe it's not necessarily a big Andujar trade piece, um, but Kikuchi is is a move that I could absolutely see happening. It's a money move. Um, don't have to give much up. It's if they like the guy, if internally they like the guy, I could absolutely see them signing him. Yes, yes. I just think because well, I think I, it's I a think... very low risk move. <clears throat> Right. You're just eating the money. You're eating money. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, going back to the Andujar thing, I uh, uh, Petriello uh, from the Statcast uh, podcast, who's been on our show, tweeted out that he he does not believe a National League team would be willing to trade for Andujar. That's how bad his defense is. Yeah, I don't believe that. I mean, I I don't really believe that. I think Andujar is still a very young piece that can hit with anybody uh you know for a first year guy like that the way that he hit and showed you know the the bat control that he has he's going to he's going to be a a very good uh hitter no matter what no matter what what league he's in and the defense while it was not good last year i do believe that he can be better i i think that I mean, he can absolutely fix it he he can get better because he can't get worse. To a, yeah, <laughs> right? to a point, he doesn't need. Right? Andrew Hart doesn't like, need to be a Gold Glove third baseman for no, him. No, he, he needs to be average. He needs to be an average third baseman. He needs to cut down on some of these errors. He needs to fix some of the um, the mechanical things so that he's not looking egregious over there. Like that's that's what needs to happen. And and for him to cut down and be an average third baseman, absolutely, he could do that. If he was an average defensive third baseman, he would have had a four-plus win season this year because that's the type of offensive season he had, yeah. which is very, very good. That's going to a next tier of players between a two-win player and a four-win player. When you see a guy that comes out on his rookie year hit like Andujar did, I mean, to me, I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, he's just getting going. He's just getting going when he gets more comfortable think, though, in the he league. Can when he gets more comfortable, too. Yes, I do. I think he can. Uh, see, I think we we may have seen, and it, even if that is peak and Duhar, but we, you can get more seasons like that. I think that's that's tremendous. He had an unbelievable it, offensive season. Eight fifty five, I think, is was his OPS. Forty seven doubles. Like he didn't walk. That was the one issue offensively. He only walked four percent of the time, and that comes with time and maturity. Out. You're right. He puts a lot of bats to ball. I have a very difficult time seeing a guy like that who has got such um, back control to to not improve as he's going and be more comfortable and be more patient at the plate. Like that's all going to make him better. It's all going to make him better. You know, if he's in there uh, the entire year and he's got you know more padding uh, in front of him and behind him in the lineup, also going to see more pitches. I, I don't think that there's. I absolutely think that he can get better. I mean, as a rookie, when you show that much talent, you know, to me, there's. There's uh there's there's really some upside there still. So then the question is why does it seem like the Yankees are so willing to trade him? Because his name keeps getting floated. Do you think the biggest reason is because Machado's out there? So they can just they could trade him for assets like we just talked about and then he upgrade the position with Machado by just spending money or do you think there's something else internally where they don't they're not sold on the player? 
No, I think it's I think it's, they'd see him as a as a peak value right now, and and that he can go out there. They could use him to get a very major piece in a in a, in a pitching rotation that is that is much needed. And yes, the fact that Machado is out there, and he's not the only one. I've been I, I floated out a uh, an alternative option if they weren't to go after Machado because I don't think they need to go after Machado. A lot of people think that the Yankees have to go out there and sign Bryce Harper and sign Manny Machado or Manny Machado, or one of these two guys, because there are, you know, they're generational talents. And if you miss them, then that's on you. Well, well so that, those are also people who probably have not watched much Yankees baseball since 2009. The, the, th- yeah, the thing is, is you need guys who can play together and be complimentary players. You do not need superstars at every single position. Uh, the, the other alternative that I threw out there, if Machado were to get, I'm sorry, if Andujar were to get dealt, for pitching, there's a guy named Mike Moustakas who's sitting out there on the free agent market currently that is one hell of a ball player. He's a good third baseman. Um, he got a uh, he's a winner. I mean, he was a, a force on those on those um, teams with the Royals, and he went over to the uh, the Brewers and had some good time there. <laughs> so that's look, why the Brewers almost went to the World Series because they had Moose on, the, he, on look, their he, roster. I, I think he doesn't get a lot of credit. I think he's a guy. If you look back to his 2017 no, uh, numbers before he was a free agent, it's it's crazy how he didn't get a big contract. And I think he was kind of screwed by the free agent year last year. I do believe a lot of these teams were, were banking their purse to, to go out there and be able to spend this year. I mean, we're seeing some insane contracts with Corbin and McCutcheon and like people are spending money now. And I think uh, that he just was unfortunately uh, came off of that, that one season on a, on a uh, bad free agent market, but he's a very good player. And if you're to sign him for two to three years, like if that's what it takes to sign that guy, one, you're signing him for way cheaper. And two, you have a lot of flexibility because he can absolutely go over and play first base, which is a very big question mark at this point. I mean, we're going to go into the season, it seems like, unless something happens with uh, with Voight and Bird. And how many Yankee fans feel good about that? I guarantee the majority of them do not. If you if you were... If Andujar were to get traded for pitching and you sign a guy like Moose, you have a third baseman and then you also have an option, you know, if he doesn't play third or if even if you were to go after like an Arenado the next year, which is a very possible uh, scenario, then Moose could move over to first base. So there's flexibility there. And I, I don't think it has to be Machado. Well, you know how I feel about Greg Bird next year. Yeah. You think he's going to become like player of the year, unfortunately. Comeback player of the year. Yeah. In the International League. For screen. <laughs> That's great. But uh, Moustakas, who's to even say he's going to get two or three years? No, I, I said if you had to. I'm saying if, if the if the market were to to fall and or to a point where Machado or Moose is out there and. Now you're seeing teams ponying up two to three years, and that's what it takes to get him. I don't think it's that serious because one, he's he's 30 years old. He just turned 30. I think he's a, he's a lot younger than most people think, and he has flexible, uh, you know, he has flexibility with the defensive positioning. So I think he's a very attractive player, and he would freaking rake at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I think you Yankee want your left-handed also bat helps him out a lot, yeah, especially you, power-wise, because his slugging went down this year. Kansas City's a big ballpark. Milwaukee. I think it's a pretty neutral ballpark as far as offense goes, but Yankee Stadium certainly isn't neutral. It's hitter friendly. Kansas City also lost a lot of players too. Like he he was he was left to you know uh, amongst the Sabu Perez, but a lot of those other guys were dealt, so they weren't they didn't have the same lineup. Hosmer was gone. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Center fielder gone to Mil- Kane. So Kane was gone. So there's there were you know it, the uh, lineup was a lot. Uh, wasn't as strong, so I think that also hurt him. But yeah, you want the left-handed bat? Everybody wants left-handed bat. Well, Moose is a pretty filthy left-handed bat. All right, let's talk about Hap. Uh, I'm glad the Yankees got him back. Now I can still call him J-Hap and not Ja-Hap. I feel like that's uh, that's progress for me personally. 
But uh, two years, $34 million, which is $17 million a year, with a vesting option for the third year, also $17 million if he throws 165 innings or makes 27 starts in 2020. So there were rumors that he had multiple three-year offers on the table. I don't believe that because if he had multiple three-year offers on the table, why didn't he take one of them? Why did he settle for, for a vesting option from the Yankees? Uh, you know, it, it could have been the team. It could have been a, a place that he did not want to go, and he knows where the Yankees are right now, and he wants to win a championship. And if it was uh, close enough, then, um, you know, maybe the Yankees were putting in a little bit more money per year. Maybe the average uh, annual value was a little bit higher. I, I don't know. But the the fact is he, he was – it seems like that trade was uh, was a very good thing for the Yankees because uh, obviously J-Hap liked his time in New York. I got to believe that that played some kind of a factor into his decision at the end of the day. Um but this is a great contract, I think, for both both parties. The Yankees, I think it's a great contract because that third year is vesting with pretty significant starts. I mean, 165 innings uh, on that on that second year and 27 starts. Like, if he does that, you probably want the guy back anyway. <laughs> right. That means he's having a, a durable and effective season. Yeah. So you want that guy back as, as probably your fifth, fourth or fifth starter at that point. Um, so I think that's a very good thing. And, and Jay Happ obviously feels confident in himself and, and his, um, his conditioning and how he feels. And I like that too, because that means he's be- he's betting on himself to an extent in that third, uh, in that third season. So I like it. I like the move all around. I like the move all around too. And it also shows that the Yankees when faced with six years of Corbin, which was an overpayment or Hap with, with the vesting option, they, they rather take the gamble on that possible vesting option with Hap. Well, yeah. And, you know the the case that the case that that it's it's a six year deal and a three year deal. Like I I know the age, I know I understand the age problem here with the um the the deal and the optics of this deal, but and, and to say that at the sixth year of Corbin he would be you know Jay Happ's age. Well, we know what currently, Jay, but we know what Jay Happ is at thirty six years old. We we know he's an effective pitcher. We have yep. no idea what Corbin's going to be at 35, 36 years old. No nope. idea. And we don't even know what Patrick Corbin's going to be if he were to have come to the American League next year. Right. There's There were a lot of uncertainties. Now, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want the player. I did want the player. I think he would have been, you know, I think the way his stuff plays, it would have been a very good um, fit for the Yankees. That being said, I don't think that this move is a bad move by any means. I think this is a, a move that absolutely makes the Yankees stronger. It solidifies them. It has J-Hat for a full year. People are like, oh, why does it make him stronger? He was on their team. He was he was a trade deadline guy. He was there for two months. And oh, by the way, he went 7-0. and So you add add some more innings to, to him as a New York Yankee in pinstripes. It's a damn good thing for the, the entire season. So if Hap was on the Yankees for the entire season last year, and let's just play the game, Sonny Gray was not losing that right. every single time out in the first half. The Yankees maybe win the division. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're winning the division, but it would have been closer for sure. They still, <laughs> they still went through a lot sure. of damn injuries. <laughs> and, if you, and if you play out what the rotation could be next year, Severino, Tanaka, James Paxton, Jay Happ, and then Sabathia plus Montgomery in the second half, yep. Chance Adams is going to get a, a couple starts, Loisica, Herman, a number of guys are going to get fifth starter, sixth starter swingman spots. That rotation is way better than it was in 2018. My God, it's way better. And I think people are forgetting about Paxton. Maybe because they haven't done the, you know, we haven't seen him put on a Yankee uniform and it's just uh, out of sight, out of mind at this point. But uh, I said this last podcast, going into the season, many Yankee fans 
the the two moves that they absolutely wanted to happen were sign Patrick Corbin and re-sign Jay Hat. That those were the two big things, and I think a lot of people would have been really good with that. But the fact that they lost out to Corbin, didn't pay the money, and it was just money and the whole luxury tax, that whole debacle with, uh, you know, where's the justification? Why am I spending money on tickets when you won't go out and spend it on Patrick Corbin or Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? People are using all of that. Or all of the above. Yeah, or everybody. Um, then, you know, they got Paxton and Hat. Essentially, it's a wash. It's a very similar uh, position where they where, where they're in. If you're looking at those two moves as what you wanted to happen, so and I, again, I don't think the Cashman's done. You know, I think it has to be the right move for the if they're to add another pitcher. But something in my gut is telling me that he's not finished with the pitching. What well, also open it, it leaves it leaves open the flexibility because Sabathia's got one more year. Yes, so you're not locked into five starters in 2020. You're 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 maybe just locked into to to the four starters so or the three starters so you have flexibility in it where you're not locking yourself yourself into multiple years of Hap and multiple years of Corbin. No, I I I totally agree, and that's that's kind of why I like the look. I don't like these ten year deals. I mean, to be to be completely. Uh, blunt about why I don't want to sign Machado or Harper. And I don't love the Stanton 10 year deal either. I, in fact, I, I, I think it's going to be a disaster at the end, but when you have, if you have more nimble contracts and more flexibility to me, then you're able to pivot and adjust and make your team better on a year to year basis. When you're locked in for these 10 years and I know it's a risk and I know the, the other side of it's well, you're getting an all time player for 10 years and you're locking that guy up. I get that. But the, the fact that, uh, the possibility that he's going to be that guy for 10 years, is the, the, the percentages are really, really low. And when you have more nimble contracts that you can move around and do things, to me, it just makes you, um, makes you, you know, more able to do things on the fly and make your team better every, every single year. And I think that's, that's, there's a, there's a lot of appeal in that. And that's why I like the Moustakis move because you're, you're getting effect when you're, when he's on the team in the current time, he's going to be a damn good player. You're not getting him for six, seven, 10 years, but, He's going to be a damn good player for the next three years. One of those nimble contracts is what the Rays got Morton to. Charlie Morton signed two years, $30 million in Tampa. First of all, since when is Tampa signing free agents? Right. But, but second of all, I was shocked that he only got two years at $15 million a year. Especially when you look at Lance Lynn getting three years and $30 million. It's just hilarious that Lynn and Morton both get $30 million guaranteed. But I would have definitely been in on Charlie Morton for two years at $30 million. I'm surprised they weren't um, when, when I saw what that contract was and because it was a two-year deal and Morton has experience with pitching out of the bullpen as well. Like to me, that's a guy that, that, that could absolutely be a swing guy. And if you're, if you're adding another starting pitcher um, with the current situation, like to me, that's a guy that's, that makes a lot of sense because you know, if you're to go into the season with five starters and uh, let's say Charlie Morton was uh, right there at the end with Sabathia, you're giving Sabathia the starts because that's what he does. He's a starter, but Morton's got the ability to come out of the pen um, and, and could be uh, an effective guy out of there. So it was uh, when I saw that I was I was surprised that that he signed for what he is. Uh, you know, I guess people just don't believe in uh, in Charlie Morton at this point. And they they think he peaked. You know, with the Houston spin rate. Even if he did, though, like it's not that much of a gamble, right? It's and and in fact, it's actually a pretty big gamble for the Rays because they they can't easily eat thirty million dollars. But the Yankees, I mean, Steinbrenner shits that out every morning. But the thing is, you're also looking at that as a two-year deal. Uh, I mean, you're comparing it to Lance Lynn. I mean, it's a significantly different contract because it, it's a you know average annual value. It's it's fifty percent. I mean, it's it's a it's a big difference in cost. I get it, but the difference in quality of pitcher is 
also huge. I mean, I could see Lance Lynn going to Texas and winning 10 to 12 games. I could see Charlie Morton doing the exact same thing. Lance so, Lynn had a five-plus ERA last year. Look, I would have been okay bringing him in for, I think I said one year, five or six million dollars as like an innings eater type. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Texas, million Texas dollars, is, are you is, is kidding is, me for the, for the bouncer who smells like hot dogs? They wanted, I, I'm just afraid of the snowman melting in Texas. You know, the guy is, he's going to, he's going to. Big boys uh, don't do good in the heat. No, they don't. Or he just, you know, maybe he'll, uh, he'll lose some weight there. It's a nice little sauna for him. Um, I don't really care about the Lance Lynn deal. I'm not even going to spend time on it. Honestly, it's, it's whatever. It's 5 million or 10 million bucks though for a starting pitcher, a guy that can throw innings. That's what it is. He's eating innings. Uh, But Morton, two years. That's the thing. Two years. And I think he got, uh, I mean, the, the contract's relatively close to what Hap got. If you're looking at the average annual value, 17 to 15. I mean, that's pretty damn close. So uh, if you're looking at that, then Tampa may have paid a premium for the, the value per year. And he just wasn't getting long-term contracts. Or they yeah. were much much lower in cost. Maybe he was getting similar to what Lance Lynn was getting. Uh, three years, $30 million, And And uh, Tampa said, you know, we'll do it for two. Looks like Tampa now has a two-man rotation for next year. Yeah. I, well, it gives them that flexibility, <laughs> right? Snell and Morton. That's what's funny yeah. about Morton is it gives them the flexibility if they continue to do this bullpenning thing. You know, I wonder if they approached him and said, you're not going to be a starter. You're going to be a guy who pitches every two or three days. That could be, that, it could be interesting. It really could. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's going to be Tampa, man. They live lawlessly down there in St. Pete. Damn. I tell Who you. the hell knows what, what, uh, Kevin Cash is doing. Yeah. And you know, maybe they got some leftover money that they didn't have to spend on the, on the, uh, on the stadium. stadium. <laughs> so they threw it to <laughs> they threw Charlie Morton's way. Um, one of the guys that I had in my offseason plans was Adam Ottavino, a reliever from Colorado. He, uh, I think he would be a great addition to the bullpen, but he did, uh, he was talking and he said he could easily strike out Babe Ruth. Um, yeah, and uh, got uh, they kind of went viral with his comments about dominating the great Bambino. Yeah, it's just a dumb thing to say. It's just it's him getting trying to get his name out there and uh, talked about. It was what was it during a podcast? Was it, it was during a, it was a podcast interview? And they they um, I did I only read the article. I didn't listen to the soundbite. Yeah, so you know whatever. It's stupid because it doesn't matter. Like the time, the the difference in in oh, eras is such a big deal. Matter. If the Yankees sign him and he struggles, it will matter. Oh, yeah, for sure. For him, yeah, yeah no doubt. Well, you say you can strike out the greatest of all time, yeah. but you can't even get out Eduardo Nunez on yeah. the Red Sox? What the hell out of, you know? Yeah, I know. He will get crushed in the media if he comes to the Yankees because there will be times where he is bad and he will get destroyed. And then, yeah. we'll, and then we'll see another guy who's a shell of himself because he can't handle New York because he's getting booed. And him and Sonny that's Gray why, can go walk. I love this town. <laughs> yeah, they could go walk into the sunset and uh, and play in a small market team. But he's from New York, isn't he? He's a New York guy. Uh, so, Is he? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's from the area. I don't know where. Upstate, I think, maybe, or, or Long Island. I'm looking it up. Uh, but he's he's definitely, I, I think he wants to come here. I think that's that's one of the. Oh, he was born in Manhattan, born in New York City. There you go. So I, I think out of you know wants to be or whether it's with the Yankees or the Mets, I think he wants to be in New York. Uh, and he went to Northeastern in Boston. Interesting. I didn't know that. He's, he's, a, he's got, he's a good he's got pretty good he's, – he's actually – and when you think about his numbers, he was pitching in Colorado, and he still had good numbers. So I, I do think he could be a very valuable bullpen option. When you're looking at the uh, the bullpen for the Yankees, I mean, they're, they're certainly not finished with what, what they're going to have for the bullpen. Um, Zach Britton's still out there. Dave Roberts is still out there. Guys like Adovino are out there. All the closers are, are out there, essentially. Um, so you have a lot of a lot of guys that are, are waiting for the first – 
you know, shoot a drop, similar to what the, the Machado and, and Harper are doing. They're, someone is waiting for that reliever market to get set so that the, these guys can start falling off the board. But uh, there, is a, there is a market out there with a lot of talent. And, you know, the Yankees, I think, will probably sign two of these guys uh, at the end well, of the day. Well, yeah, there's a, like a record number of relievers um, on the market. Yeah, and, two, and I, two, I think, is the number. I think if, they, if they're to load up with two more guys, I think is a – would would be well, a num- would be a good target. Well, I actually think there's 72 relievers on the free agent market. Normally, there's about 30 to 40. I actually think that could be a good thing for teams because that means I don't think prices are going to skyrocket. Because if you miss out on one guy, there's another guy waiting who's willing to sign. And that's probably why they're all waiting. They're trying to hold off for for one guy to get a good deal. They're probably they're waiting for one of the closers to get a stupid deal. Someone's going to pay. You know. Well, Familia got he went back to the Mets, and Joe Kelly went to the Dodgers. I believe both of them are multi year deals. Yeah, but those aren't closers. Those aren't the those aren't the big names. Those guys are just you know happy to be there. Familia, <laughs> I think was, they, a clo- Familia was a closer. He was a closer, but he's not going to be the closer. They they just traded for their new closer. So Familia is going to be a bullpen guy, and uh, I think that. You know, one, he's got familiarity with uh, with going back there, uh, but it does bolster their 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 bullpen. But I think some of these top top level closers, I think Kimbrel being one of the the biggest ones, who he's been asking for stupid money. They're gonna see if six he can years. get it. Six years. Yeah, <laughs> if he gets the big money, then the other guys will obviously uh, will drive it up. But they're trying to get that market brewing again, like it did a couple of years ago when you uh, when you have you know relievers Chapman. signing when Chapman signed. Um, when you had uh, a, a, a Melanson Jansen. and when you had Melanson sign for stupid money in, in uh, God, San Francisco, that, was, that might've been the worst contract of, of that winter. Yeah. That was a bad contract. So you, you're going to, you're, you're, I think a lot of, a lot of guys are hoping that this market does heat up and, and shit. When you see what, when you see what, uh, what McCutcheon got and when you see what Corbin got, there's, there's money to be spent. So. Yeah, it almost we talked about that all last winter. Our teams just waiting for the next year, and it kind of seems like they they were. Yeah, I, I think they were. I really do. McCutcheon, like, McCutcheon remember that, all of the, the amount of money that McCutcheon got was is, is crazy to me. You remember all the reports of collusion and, and that teams are conspiring against the players' yeah. union to right. bring salaries down. Well, I, that doesn't I, that doesn't strike me so far with with what's happened with these contracts. So. No, it definitely doesn't. I don't think it is. I, I think there's just a lot of posturing as far as these two big guys and people are trying to line up their cards. Yeah. We've got a couple mailbags to get to. Before that, though, I want to tell you guys about Robinhood, which is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. It is a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. I know it can definitely be intimidating, but it's an app right on your phone. Scott, I know you uh, like this app. You use it, so why don't you tell people why it's uh, why it's your go-to? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely very easy to use. Um, I, I use it as uh, as kind of a, a side account so that I can just get in and out of trades if I want to. Um, it's it's definitely a good place to practice if you're trying to get into the market and you're not as confident. It's it's a place where you don't you're not burning money on commission fees. There is no commission fee, no cost to actually make these trades. Um, so it's a really good place to do that if you have uh, if you have some experience or if you, you're looking to get into it and you want to learn, it's a it's a great place to do it. Other other brokerages charge I think up to like ten bucks per per trade, so that can definitely add up very quickly um, and, and and can cut into either your profits or add to your losses. It's super easy to use. They have all the news uh, for each individual you know stock or crypto or whatever, so you can stay up to date with that. It's pretty much one app that gets you your trading and your news as well. Um, and then, you know, they have, uh, some indicators in there. Well, that, that helps you, 
learn while you're doing it, while you can build your portfolio. So Robinhood is giving listeners free a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. You can sign up at bronx.robinhood.com. That's bronx.robinhood.com. Okay, first up on the mailbags, we have two regarding Sonny Gray, so I'll read them back to back. The first one is from Greg at gbout35 on Twitter, and he says, Lance Lynn is a ranger and injuries will most likely happen. Do you think Sonny Gray could be the best option available for the sixth starter slash swingman? I know Cashman said he will be gone, but what kind of return can we realistically expect? And then Damian Foxton says, does it make sense to hold on to Sonny Gray until the trade deadline? Would he not bring a better return at that stage? He could be the swingman six starter till then to give, uh, then giving him a chance to improve his stock in a low impact capacity. Cash giving him a chip on his shoulder might actually kick his ass into gear. Okay. So the, <laughs> people are going to hate me this guy. Uh, Cause I, if you were gonna hate hate this, it's, we're gonna say this, he's gonna save forty games for the Yankees. This is year? this is not this is not a popular opinion because and and trust me, like I I get it. I I I don't like Sonny Gray. He he burned me terribly last year, both on this team and and some he's of my predictions. He's an ass. Okay, I really <laughs> I really think that he's he's just the worst. That being said, when I see what he can do, and when I see his road splits, home and splits, and I see where the Yankees currently stand by adding two or more of these pitchers. There is a very good possibility that Sonny Gray's value at this point is still on the New York Yankees. I actually am, as this goes on and we're looking at what's happening and depending on what he's able to get for him, I think that's obviously the biggest, um, the biggest reasoning in this. It, it, it will be the biggest determining factor of what value can get. But both Greg and Damian are making a lot of sense because, listen, He's going. He's up for a new contract after the year. He, arbitration. Well, arbi- he's going to get a raise in arbitration this year. This year, yes. But he's looking right. for a new contract. Next year is a big year for Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is going to uh, either either pitch well and and you know try to earn more money for himself and his family and possibly out of New York by pitching well, or pitch well and stay in New York and and prove everybody wrong, or. Return to the 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 guy that we think is weak-minded, can't pitch in New York, and just fall back in line, but then do well on the road. Um, he had some good moments in the bullpen. I think he showed that he could do some things out there. He gives some flexibility, and yeah, I I don't think it could get much worse personally. That that was going to be my point is that, but he's got the talent. His like, value he's got can't a really talented go down. arm. Yes, yeah, but will he have the balls? To pitch, <laughs> no, no, he won't. To pitch as a swingman slash bullpen arm, will he have the guts to actually perform in that role, or will he cower in the corner and never be heard from again? See, that's the thing. If you're not getting a lot of value for him and he's not doing well in that role, then whatever, you get rid of him for the nothing you were going to get for him anyway. You know, you could trade him at any. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a flyer like yeah. fringe prospect from some team, like the number nine guy in their system. It's not going to be anything good. But when you're looking at the current situation right now, there, there's a five man rotation that's that's existing on the Yankees, right? They have five starters. So you're not looking for Sonny Gray to be that number two, three guy that we were all expecting him to be from the beginning. Oh God, no, he now, wouldn't even be in the top five. No, but now you have a guy that has a that has theoretically a lot of upside. There's there's definitely the upside there if you were to ever figure it out. Um, and, and you know, be able to to pitch at home like he did on the road. If you see some those splits get a lot closer, then then you're looking at a totally different story. Uh, you know, 
it's it's a very low risk at this point because you're not banking on him being in the rotation. You're kind of getting what you get from him. And if it's good, if it is uh, upside, then you can use him to, you know, where you need him in, in, in the pitching staff, whether it's in the bullpen or you do need that spot guy or swing man to, to go out there and throw innings. So I don't know. He Look, I hate him. <laughs> I do. And I hate saying this. I really do. But when I'm looking at value, and that's what I'm basing this off of, when I look at value and I'm looking at other guys that are out there and I'm seeing that he is now a controllable asset, you're either getting nothing for him, which it sounds like they're, I mean, it sounds like Cashman's been asking for a, a good amount. And maybe that's because he thinks the same thing. The only way at this point he's going to get rid of him is if he actually gets more than uh, expected. People are going to have to pay a little bit more to actually get him because he's, he may be okay with sitting back and saying, okay, now I'm set with my rotation. Now this guy, anything he is, is either gravy or we get rid of him anyway. But then I don't understand why he sat down in that press conference right after the season ended and said Sonny Gray is, is basically going to be traded. It well, doesn't there matter. There's no what upside. There's no benefit to that. He could have floated Sonny Gray's trade uh, name in trades, which it would have been floated, but it wouldn't have been floated in that same way where the Yankees are now. Um, his, his, the Yankees are in a bad spot once Cashman says that because teams know that they want to trade him, whether Sonny Gray asks for a trade or Brian Cashman just wants him to get the hell out of New York. Either way, that's bad news for the Yankees because his value is going to come down. Whereas if Cashman just went to teams regularly, spoke to their GMs and said, Sonny Gray could benefit from a new change of scenery. Are you interested? Let's work out a deal. That might have been a better way to approach it. I, I just don't think it mattered at that point because one, my, my conspiracy theory, and I do, I still believe it. I have no, no, no source or any other, you know, re, uh, any other, uh, you know, inclination to than other than my gut. And this is just what I think happened. I think Sonny Gray's agent floated that. And he said, uh, look, we want to be traded. And, and at that point, Cashman, it didn't matter what he said. Everybody knew. Everybody knows the situation. They know they have a talented guy who, who pitched like dog shit in New York. They know that it's a, it's a known uh, situation at this point. So I don't think, you know, whatever Cashman was going to say, like people knew what was happening at that point. And, and right now look at what they're again, five starters already in. So we're in the same spot. Like Sonny Gray doesn't have a position. He doesn't have a, a, a slot in the rotation at this point. So everybody knows they're looking for something for him. But right. now I think maybe Cashman can get, have a little leverage saying, well, I'm good on the fit on my starters. So I don't need to trade him at this point. Now, now I don't need to. You better overpay. If you want Sonny Gray, you're going to have to overpay for him a little bit. Otherwise, I got no reason not to just keep him and see what I can get. And maybe he's going to play his butt off and, and change that mentality. And then there's value. The value to me is, is now like him staying around and, and proving something or somebody overpaying because they, they know that Cashman you know, is, uh, is, is a crazy man with uh, the, the, it doesn't matter. You know? He's got nothing to lose. Can Sonny Gray redeem himself in your eyes? Yes, absolutely. So, look, he, again, nowhere to go but up with this guy. He can redeem himself in a lot of ways with Yankee fans. And, like, imagine Sonny Gray feeling good about himself and confident and in, like, the good graces of Yankee fans. What if he did that? What if that was, like, the comeback story of the year that this guy came back and actually Sonny Gray wins ability? comeback player of the year yeah. instead of Greg Bird? But, again, the beauty is now there's no pressure on him. There's no pressure anywhere. So maybe that helps Sonny no. Gray. Yeah. Maybe that's a, a good thing for his his little, you know, his little weak, uh, his weak competitiveness in his brain. Maybe this is a good situation now, now that he's got nothing to to lose, really. And, and just, you know, he's got to go out there and prove that he does have the best stuff in baseball, as he says. So who knows? Yeah, I, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange situation at this point. It really is. But I can absolutely see now uh, that Cashman is almost back in a posi position of strength with him. Huh. I don't think so, but. 
I mean, not from when he was before, but from what he was f- uh, four months ago, three months ago. You, you the, with the rotation you mean, set. You mean back? Sorry, do you mean during the season or after the season ended? After the press conference, right after the season. He, yeah, two months ago. Sorry, we're almost in a third month. About two months ago. Right? Uh, no, I'd I say see, he's I stronger right now think... because the rotation is set. Because he made those trade um, because he signed Hap and made the trade for Paxton. Now they don't need Sonny Gray. So now he's again in a again one of those positions where. Uh, you got nothing to lose, and and people are people get the guy who's got nothing to lose is scary, and yeah, he we'll you see. know he, if he trades him, it's for something that he needs. All right, Marcus, he says I trust I trust Cash God, but I don't appreciate the excuses he gives to not pursue Harper. Gardner will be a free agent after 2019. Ellsbury after 2020 with the buyout, and Frazier is not a sure thing. So none of these guys should block any outfield free agents that we could that could make an impact for years to come. We already talked about that at the top of the show. But he asks, do you think Cashman is playing games with Boris or is Steinbrenner trying to save some money? I I don't I don't think he's he's giving excuses. I think that he's giving real reasons why they may or may not be going after him. I think that, that Harper uh is not a great fit for this team, is a real thing. I mean, they would definitely have to make some move they'd have to position things around him. But if they loved Harper, they would absolutely do that with, with pleasure. Um, I don't think, I think the 10 years is a big stumbling block. That's what I think. I, I think it's a big deal. If, if they are in on him and I could absolutely see him, um, you know, not trying to, to, to give up his hand and, and do a little bit of posturing with Boris. I mean, all, all of these things I think are in play. And I, also I, Boris Cashman doesn't like to show his hand. Right. We have to remember that it's in Boris's best interest to have the Yankees involved, and it's the Yankees' best interest to say they're not involved. Anybody so, who thinks they know what, what Cashman is really thinking believe? right now is, is just speculating. Nobody knows. Nobody has any idea what this guy's thinking. He's not really going out there and, and, and positioning himself um, in, 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 entrenched in a stance. He has gone back and forth because there's windows and doors open all over the and place. I also who the think hell knows he, what happens? He might have a plan, but will change his plan if an opportunity arises, yes. like it did last offseason with Stanton. Right. Or, or as we talked about last, last episode with A-Rod, back when he was signed. Things changed. Guess things yep. changed quite a bit. Who, who Boone, knows what, Boone went down and they needed a third baseman. You know, we don't know what, what's going on. Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, we could, we could find out after Christmas that uh, Didi, the surgery didn't go well. I mean, who the hell knows? I, I really hope not, but you just never know what can happen. So he's leaving the options there, and I don't think anybody knows what he's thinking. Or Didi got the Evaldi bionic arm and is going to be ready for opening day. Yeah, well, you know, uh, he better be. I think I would, would not surprise me if Didi was be throwing ahead of schedule. on our cutters over to first base. Yeah. I don't know if Voight and Bird can handle that. Bird certainly can't. <laughs> Grant... Uh, Grant asks, he, his Twitter handle is at divine underscore Callahan. He says, how come there's no talks on Marcus Stroman coming to New York? I think he plays as an exceptional starter behind Seve, Paxton, and Tanaka and has proven that he's a big game pitcher. So Stroman is 27 years old with the Blue Jays, two more years of arbitration. He's actually from Long Island, which I was not aware of. Uh, he was unhealthy in 2018 after pitching back-to-back years of 200-plus innings. He was supposed to be the Blue Jays' ace and um, did not have a good season last year. When he was healthy, he did not pitch well, and uh, he also only pitched about 100 innings. Yeah, we saw uh, Stroman's been a guy that I think a lot of people have been on because he's from Long Island. I think uh, because he's a New York guy that a lot of people have been on Stroman. Look, I think Marcus Stroman is uh, an interesting player. He had a bad year. He's been injured. We saw him... 
uh, you know, do amazing things at the World Baseball Classic. I think that's really when he was. That's when he showed up on everyone's radar. He showed up on everybody's radar. Well, I, I, people knew that he was a New York guy in Toronto. Like that, 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 that conversation comes up quite a bit when he's pitching against New York. But he just—he's a smaller guy. He hasn't shown that he can stay healthy. Um, I think when he is healthy and when he's on, he's he's a, a very good pitcher. I love his competitiveness. Uh, but why are we not talking about it? Well, I guess because Toronto's not talking about it. Because he hasn't if, been floated. Around, if Toronto's yeah. not floating him as a trade guy, like why is anybody going to talk about him? He's 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 on another team uh, and is not a free agent. So it's no one's going to talk about him unless the Blue Jays are. Would you trade Andujar in a package for Stroman? Hell no. Stroman is not close to that guy. He's 27 years old also, showing the injuries uh, off of a bad I mean, 27 season. years old, that's how old Sonny Gray was when we acquired him with two more years of arbitration. Yeah, but Sonny Gray was also <laughs> pitching a little bit better. I mean, Stroman, Stroman is, 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 is showing some... Uh, They're actually kind some, of similar because Stroman is also kind of a smaller guy, right? Stroman is a sm- he's, he's, he's smaller than Sonny Gray even. Uh, but he's, to five me, those injuries... Five eight. He's five foot eight. Damn. Yeah, and I think, that, I think that's a stretch. His injuries are, are are way more concerning for me with the way that uh, that yeah. he throws. Yeah. All right. The last question is from at Sports FYI on Twitter. It says, assume we don't get Harper or Machado, what additional position players should they go after to solidify the roster? And he says, Gonzalez, Harrison, Lowry, Jeanette, Hechevarria, or someone else. You, we talked about your Mike Moustakis um, idea a few minutes ago. But um, and that's really only a play if, if there is a third base opening. That's if Andujar is traded. I mean, otherwise, Mustakas is a pretty tough fit unless they're giving up on on the first base guys we have in house and they bring him in to play first. Yeah, and I, I, you and I both agree that Hechevarria makes sense for the shortstop fill in. I think he's the perfect fit for while Didi is out. They just need somebody to catch the ball. They don't need like with Tulo getting released from the Blue Jays. Uh, people saying, oh, would the Yankees be interested in bringing in Tulowitzki? First of all, the guy's not healthy. He can't play shortstop. But they're not. I do not want somebody of Tulowitzki's uh, name to come in and fill in for Didi. I, I would be fine with Echeverria. You cannot bank on a guy like Tulowitzki to come in and be the, be the guy to fill in for Didi. There's no doubt. You cannot, you cannot uh, look at him and say he's going to be an everyday shortstop for the beginning of the year. The, the Blue Jays just ate like $40 million. $38 release, million bucks yeah, to, releasing to him. have him go away. So something is going on there that, that, is, uh, that is not maybe to the public eye. And he's, you know, he's doing workouts or whatever with other teams. I, I don't want the Yankees to sign him. It's, um, it's just a, a, a move that doesn't need to be made, in my opinion. Uh, the Hechevarria, yeah, is a, I, I think is a, a very good position player. We saw what he has at the glove. It's, it's ridiculous. If Andujar is on this team and, uh, and, and they don't make a major move for a third baseman like that, and he is playing third base, I think it makes a lot of sense to have uh, a guy like Hechevarria to go in there and play shortstop and lock down, you know, at least that side of the field with, with Andujar playing third. I think it's uh, essential uh, to have a very good glove. I mean, to me, it would be, it would be really, really rolling the dice if you have Torres over there and Andujar to start the season because we've seen the amount of errors those, those guys, uh, you know, had last year, and they're both. And I'm, I'm not ready to call Torres a liability in the field, but he certainly has a lot to prove in the field too. So it would be a shaky left side. Yeah, and I rather him focus on second base, but uh, the question. Uh, does ask about a couple of second basemen, Scooter Jeanette, who has been kind of rumored by the Reds that they yeah. might trade him. Uh, Josh Harrison, he had a bad year last year. He's 31. He had a 656 OPS in 2018. No thanks. Uh, Lowry's uh, second baseman, uh, 34 years old. So there's some second. There's more second base options out there where uh, if they want to go that route, they could bring in second base. Neil Walker's still out there. Yeah. Um, 
So, I, like that. and I think that I think that there's uh, a possibility too. I mean, look, we've all we've all been hoping and expecting that uh, Tyler Wade takes that next step. I mean, he's a he's a natural <laughs> shortstop. We, how long can we? No, I know, but he's he's still in the play. So if you're to sign a, a guy that plays uh, second base or has some flexibility, like you know, he is a. Or if you sign a shortstop and you want some some more flexibility with a guy like he's a guy that has has flexibility. If he comes out playing well in spring, who knows? I, I wouldn't be surprised if he were to come in as a utility guy. Um, but that being said, like Scooter Jeanette also does have some experience playing third base too. So, um, if you know, that's a, that's a trade, if they were to go out there and, and I know Sonny Gray's name has been yeah. floated That'd out be in, uh, in Let's Cincinnati. Yeah. If we could get that going and, you know, maybe we add another, uh, low level cause I don't think Sonny Gray and Jeanette is a, is an even swap. No, it'd be one, it'd be a, probably a pitching prospect or something. Yeah. Some low level prospect, uh, plus Sonny Gray for a guy like Scooter Jeanette, you know, I, I, that'd be fun. Scooter Jeanette would be a fun player to have on this team. He'd be one of those guys that I think fans would like too. Yeah. Just because his name is Scooter. But at that point, like. He could replace Ronald Torres for the, mas- for the team mascot. The thing is, when you, he, Scooter Jeanette's a much different player than him, though. He's, he's got yeah, a pop. I know, but he's got a funny name. The, um, the fact that he <laughs> plays second and third base, though, again, something with this roster would have to shake out. Like something would, I think, be different because it still doesn't help your shortstop uh, spot. So the fit there uh, isn't no, you'd, great you'd, either. You'd be having uh, Glaber. Over it at, at short at that point, yes. Yeah. All right. That's it for the mailbag questions. Good questions this week, guys. We put out mailbag uh, calls for mailbags on Twitter and on Facebook every week. So make sure you're following at Yankees Podcast on Twitter and you join the Facebook group. Uh, just search the Bronx Pinstripe Show, or you can go to what is the URL? Facebook slash uh, Yankees Podcast. In a, uh, I don't know what the exact one is, but just search the, Bron- the Bronx, Bronx Pinstripe Pinch Show on Facebook, and there's a ton of conversation that happens in there. A lot of uh, good conversation, also some some interesting conversations, uh, some some different ideas floated by by people. But hey, that's Facebook. Um, you can also submit them at BronxPinstripes.com/podcast. Scott, any last words? Yeah, I, you know, people are going to be traveling for the holidays coming up. So hope everybody is very safe and gets where they need to go um, safe and sound. And uh, we will have a show next Monday, which is what Christmas Eve. Um, so lots of people just just be safe and then look out this week for our um, the spring training information and then all of the uh, the BP crew events for, for next week. If you're looking for that last minute gift, it's perfect. And, uh, and, and we'll have it all up this week. So looking forward to getting those going, man, and, and getting some uh, some good crowds out. A lot of fun last year. Good stuff. We'll talk to you Monday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.